How are you getting on with your Christmas shopping? Have you got it done yet? I, mine still isn't finished. Truthfully, every year it's the same thing. I try and start with really good intentions in June or July and then I put it back and I put it back and I put it back and the same thing happens every year. I end up stood in town on the last week of December with this massive list of things I need to buy and no time left to buy it. I love Christmas, but sometimes the run up to it can be a little bit stressful. You know, there's always more stuff to buy or another thing to go to or more food to fight over in the supermarket. So what's your experience of Christmas been in 2020? Are you looking forward to it or are you sick of it already? I think sometimes for some people, Christmas can be a bit stressful. We can sometimes put our pressure on ourselves to have that perfect Christmas that we see in the John Lewis adverts, you know. Got to clean up, got to wrap all the presents, got to go to all the things. We've got to somehow find all the money and not fall out with the people that we don't like. Sometimes what should be a really calm time and a peaceful time when we can relax and enjoy ourselves can be a time that's just fraught with anxiety and stress. And it might not just be Christmas. I think we can all sometimes get stressed or we can worry. We can all have those places in our lives where we don't have peace, where we have anxiety and worry, and we might mask it well, but often it's still there. I'll be honest with you, for me, it's the future. I turned 37 recently and I have been panicking about my future. You know, I'm not married, I don't own a house, I'm not the writer I want to be. Sometimes I feel like I'm a colossal failure. I look at my life and worry that I've messed it up spectacularly. Often I don't have peace about my future. And I wonder where you're at. I think we can all be there sometimes. So where are the places in your life where... Maybe you don't have as much peace as you'd like. It's become a bit of a Christian cliche to say that 2020 is hashtag worst year ever. But for many people, it has been. Some of us have struggled with isolation or mental health or financially because of furlough. Maybe we've not had a bad year. For some people, maybe we're just bored. You know, we've finished Netflix and Prime and we've read all the books but that sense of excitement about what's next and about the future, maybe that's the thing that's been taken from us. Maybe you're a student and people have promised you you'll come to uni and have the time of your life and now you're in your room doing everything online and wondering where it all went wrong. Maybe, you know, you've actually had a really good 2020. You might be a key worker and you've smashed it this year, but if you're honest, you might be feeling a bit overworked or even maybe close to burnout. I think we can all have places in our lives where we don't have peace, and it's probably something we could do with a bit more of. The good news is, you know, we're not the only people that might feel like this. When we think of the birth of Jesus, we can often think of this typical nativity, you know, this perfect, chubby, sleeping baby with a halo in a manger surrounded by adoring shepherds. Maybe there's a lobster. But the birth of Jesus, it's not a peaceful story. It's the story of an unmarried teenage mother giving birth without painkillers in a smelly cow shed. It's a screaming baby wrapped in rags and laid in a dirty feeding trough. That doesn't sound very peaceful to me. And yet, isn't it odd that this same baby would come to be known as the Prince of Peace? Today, we're looking at two bits of the Bible. The first is in the book of Isaiah in chapter nine. And just to give you a bit of context, 
Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus and he was a prophet, which means he spoke with the voice of God. And he spoke to God's people at a time when they've known nothing but years of war and oppression. And Isaiah is giving some really powerful promises from God to a nation in desperate need of hearing them. In the passage on the screen, Isaiah is talking with God's voice to how his people who have walked in darkness for so long, how they're going to see a great light dawning, an increase in joy, an end to war. There's a promise that God's people will finally know peace. And by knowing that peace, they'll be able to bless the world around them. And this is really summarised in Isaiah 9, 6, which says, For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what wasn't known to the Israelites back then was that Isaiah was talking about the birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Isaiah gives Jesus four names, names that would perfectly predict who Jesus was and what he would do that would change everything. And the last of those names is the Prince of Peace. So what does that mean? When you think of the word prince, you might think of someone from the royal family or that guy that sang Purple Rain back in the 80s. But the word prince actually comes from the Hebrew word sar, which means general or commander. So when Isaiah says that Jesus is a prince, what he means is he's in charge. He's the boss, the king. And the word peace is important as well, because when we think of peace, it can often be a bit passive. You know, kids have stopped fighting for half an hour, so we've got a bit of peace and quiet. Or we've just finished work and we're having a peaceful evening sat in front of the telly. But it's so much more than that. It's an active, refreshing lifestyle that can really transform and bless who we are and through that bless the world around us. And in in this passage, it comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And that word, it means rest, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, harmony. So when Isaiah says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, what he's actually saying is that Jesus is the, he's the King of completeness. He's the Lord of wholeness. He's the, he's the Prince of harmony. Because Jesus is in charge of every good thing. And the promise of Jesus is the promise of peace for all who follow him. Our second bit of scripture is Luke 2.14, where we see the birth of Jesus announced to the shepherds in the field. A choir of angels appear in the sky, saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. It's that same promise of peace again. Made through Isaiah, given to the shepherds and available to us now, 2,000 years later. And if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, then I want you to know that God is pleased with you because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because God is pleased with you, then this promise of peace on earth, it's more than a throwaway line in a child's nativity. It's more than something glib on a Christmas card. It's a promise that's real, revolutionary and tangible. And it's for everyone. And just like any prince, this prince of peace has built a kingdom. Romans 14, 17 tells us that this kingdom is based on living a life of goodness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So this peace that Isaiah prophesies, um, that was promised to the shepherds and is available to us now, is the cornerstone 
of the kingdom that Jesus has built. It's the foundation of our relationship with him. And it's the building block of our relationship with each other. Because the promise of peace has always been and always will be wrapped up in the promise of Jesus Christ. So what does that look like? Well, when we decide to follow Jesus, he gives us peace with God because our sins are forgiven. But after that, I think there's two kinds of peace that Jesus gives. The first is peace with ourselves. Now, truthfully, we live in a world that is designed to stress us out and keep us worried and scared, you know, particularly with how the world is now and how we're just bombarded with bad news all the time. But Jesus gives us a choice. He says, you can accept worry or you can accept the peace that I am promising you. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus promises to give us his peace. Now, let's be clear on this. Jesus is not promising us a life without trouble because that would be ridiculous. But he is promising us that when we face the problems that life brings, we can know that promise of shalom, that wholeness, rest and tranquility in the middle of the storm. But we have to make a choice to accept the peace that he promises. So practically, that might mean that we pray into those places where we don't know peace, where we have hurts and worries. It may mean that we ask God for a fresh perspective on them. It may even mean that we invite others to stand alongside us and open up about the places in our lives where we have hurts and we don't have peace. The second kind of peace that Jesus gives us is peace with each other. I think during 2020, a lot of our relationships, if we're honest, they have suffered. Maybe we've lost touch with friends or family or people we love, just maybe they're not in our lives anymore. We might feel isolated or hurt, or maybe we're scared of rebuilding our relationships, or truthfully, we might even be a little bit resentful. Maybe we're having marriage problems or relationship issues or problems with people we work with or people on Facebook or our boss. I don't know. People are hard work and relationships are really messy. But in Jesus, this Prince of Peace, we can rebuild our broken relationships because when we know peace in ourselves, we can give out of the fullness of our hearts that become surrendered to God. We are blessed with this peace to, in order to bless the world around us. Jesus says in John 13, 34, love each other just as I have loved you. Because we know the fullness of God's love through the peace that he brings, we can better love others by sharing that with them. We give this peace to others out of the overflow of God's peace that we know in ourselves. So practically, that might mean, you know, we, we pick up the phone and call someone we've not spoken to in a long time. It might mean being the friend you wish you, you were and doing something nice for somebody, even if it feels like nobody is doing that for you right now. It means forgiving people outrageously serving and loving people. And by doing that, this promise of Jesus can bring peace into those relationships through us where it might have been missing for so long. So what does that mean for us? Now, surely if the, the promise of Jesus is the promise of peace, then why don't we have it all the time? 
Is it possible that sometimes when it comes to accepting this promise, we can be our own worst enemies? Now, God can promise us peace, but he doesn't force it on us. We make the decision to accept it or reject it. All the way through the Bible, we see that this idea of peace is central to who Jesus is. And because of that, it's central to our walk with God. In John 14, 27, Jesus says again, my peace I give you. And the clue there is in the word, my peace, it's God's peace, his promise to us, wrapped up in who Jesus is. The two are inseparable. You know, that the closer you are to God, the more peace you can know. And the more peace you know, the closer you can be to God, because the two things go hand in hand. It's, it's very difficult to have more of one without more of the other. And because peace is integral to the identity of Jesus Christ and it's promised by him, then truthfully, the only way we can experience God's peace in the places we don't have it is to go deeper into a relationship with God and to give those things over to him. This promise is not something passive that we just pick up when we need it. It's an invitation to connect with God and to bless the world around us out of the overflow of peace that we have. It's, it's not just for a few people, it's for everyone. And if we accept it, it's a promise that it can and it will transform the world around us. But before we can do that, we maybe need to ask ourselves a question. When it comes to the place in our lives where we don't have peace, do we truly trust God with them? Often the things we don't have peace about in our lives are out of our control. Life happens, things can spiral, but when that happens, are we truly seeking God? Are we praying, are we saying, God, your will be done? Are we trusting him and accepting that promise of peace? Or do we tend to take control of ourselves more because we're not trusting God? You know, when life is easy, it's easy to say we accept the promise of peace, but when life gets hard, sometimes we like to put our foot down and have a bit more of control so we get what we want. And we can find ourselves fighting against this promise of peace, whether we accept that or not. About four years ago, I went through a bit of a, I guess, a mid-30s crisis. I was applying for a lot of jobs with Christian organisations because I wanted to make a difference and it's what proper Christians did, right? And if you saw the job online, chances are I applied for it. And I applied and I got turned out by every single one of them, over 90 of them. And if I'm honest with you, that was a time in my life where I didn't have a lot of peace in that area because I wasn't trusting God. I had an idea about how I wanted my life to look and how I wanted it to go, but I was ignoring what God was saying to me because I was so wrapped up in what I wanted. And it's only as I've, I've really learned to con surrender control of that area to God that I've actually started to know peace in it and truthfully started to see a little bit of breakthrough. Now, don't get me wrong, I am not an expert on this. There are areas in my life where I still don't have peace and I need to learn this lesson again. No one outside of Jesus ever gets this totally right. But the key, I think, to getting God's peace in our hearts and in those places where maybe we don't have it is to make a crucial decision. And that decision is to surrender those things to God's loving control, to accept that promise of peace by trusting him and inviting him in. Romans 8, 6 tells us that to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And truthfully, I don't know where you're at. We're all at different places. Maybe there are places in our lives where all we know is anxiety and stress. 
We might have had our sense of excitement about the future stolen from us. We might be struggling with debt or grief or relationships or illness. Maybe we've been pushing on a door so long we've lost all sense of hope and we don't have peace in that area. Maybe, truthfully, we've never experienced God's peace in our life. Whatever that looks like, I cannot promise you that it gets better. But God promises you peace in those places through his son, Jesus Christ. Outside of Jesus, we do not have that promise of peace. In fact, outside of Jesus, there is nothing worth having. But in Christ, in relationship with him, you have that promise of shalom, the peace that this prince can bring. And when we trust in that promise, when we say yes to it, it can, if we let it, transform everything. When we accept that promise, when we go deeper into a relationship with God, we can truly know God's peace because we come to know more of who God is. We discover more of his faithfulness, his goodness, his love. We can rest in who he is. We can know certainty in times of chaos because of the strength of God. And as we know and develop that peace in ourselves, we transmit that to others through our relationships and they know more peace. This is something that if we engage with it, can transform our lives and the lives of the people we are in relationship with. But it does need a first step. So what can we do right now? What can we do to accept that promise of peace? Well, the first step is to give those things to God and go deeper into a relationship with him. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Firstly, I want us to bring to mind those places in our lives where we don't have peace. Those places where it's just worry and stress and anxiety. Or maybe if you've never, ever known God's peace in your life, pray for the first time. And we're going to invite God into those places and into our lives again, whether that's for the first time or the hundredth time. Wherever you're at, I'd like you to hold out your hands like this as a sign that you are ready to receive God's peace. Please bow your heads. Close your eyes wherever you're at and pray with me. Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, this Prince of Peace. We thank you for this promise through Isaiah, through the shepherds that's still available to us today. Father God, we, we give over those areas in our lives where we don't have peace, where we've never known it, where we, we hurt or we struggle. God, whether that's for the first time or the hundredth time, we give these things over to you. We ask for peace in the places where we hurt, Father. We ask that we might know that and through knowing more of your peace, that you would bless the world around us and bring peace to our relationships. God, we invite you in into our lives. Take us deeper with you. And God, if we've never known you, we invite you in for the first time. Father God, give us peace. We accept this promise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Be safe, be good, be well.